0: Hi, I'm Caroline Carey, and you know I'm always inspired by other people's life stories, so I listen for the soul journey that is interwoven between each individual's experiences throughout their life. Join me to hear for yourself how each narrative becomes a transformative and inspiring message for us all. Enjoy the podcasts. I've had a chat with Roger Ross. He lives kind of local to me and I've known him for a few years. I became quite interested in a project that he's engaged with. I thought it was rewilding, but it's actually not, it's regenerating the land. So I wanted to know more about it, what it actually means, and why it's important for our British landscapes today. But of course, as always happens with my podcasts, we got onto other subjects. We got into his childhood and how he grew up, the kind of careers that he had and where they originated, and I love those stories. Um, And particularly Rogers is fascinating, and how he came to make money, and then how he came to be regenerating land. So kind of diverse there. You know, one minute we're talking about money, the next minute we're talking about the land and what's important for our landscapes today. So have a listen. Let me know what you think and um, enjoy, Roger. It's Thank lovely you. to have you on my podcast. Thank uh, you. I've I've known you for some years now, and one of the latest projects that I've heard you mention is about a farm that you're rewilding, and I'm particularly interested in that. So, could you tell me what is it that you're actually
1: doing? Ah, okay. So it's definitely not rewilding. Okay. Uh, Although I love rewilding, but in the right place, rewilding is best done, in my opinion, on low-grade land that isn't good for producing food naturally.
0: So what is it that you're doing?
1: Um, So we're two and a half years in, and the idea uh, was to regenerate the land So that's what we're doing and we're using cattle and and it's something called holistic management. Okay. And I'm doing, I did the course before I got involved with the farm online. I did it every week for like three months. And it's really inspiring because it's about how, what's the relationship we have with land and so, for instance, as an example, the rain falls and most of the rain was just rushing off down the hill. So, having cattle, they break up the ground, they trample, they defecate, they urinate. The rain comes and what, what we want to do is for that rain to filter into the land. Yeah. So when the sun comes and the temperature gets above a certain number, the grass will grow. Well, we're already holding water. So that, that already has happened within two years. We, we've changed that. We're storing rainwater. I mean, and you know, that is our biggest asset actually is rainwater wow. and it's free. And it's, you know, it, we might have a drought you know, and there are so many wonderful examples of farms that are using this system. And you see a video of it, and it's all lush and green, and there's no chemicals. That's organic, right? No chemicals. And you go to the neighbor, which is a conventional farm, and it's horrendous. Things are barely alive. Wow. And it's it's chalk and cheese. If I give you a piece of cheese, I don't know if you like cheese, but if you have a cheese, you go, mm, oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then if I gave you a piece of chalk, the difference is so dramatic. you It's beyond rational thinking. How the hell can you do that? Anyway, it's been proven. And there are endless films and documentaries showing you. And theres I'm part of this movement to transition, to regenerate the land. Okay. So that's what we're doing. And we're using beef cattle. So... Uh, we're, we're on the road this year. We're, we're heading towards becoming biodynamic. So the biodynamic, the cattle, they all have horns because that connects them to the heavens, whether people understand that or not. But if I showed you a cross section of a, a male uh, horn and a female horn, you go, oh my God, they're so different. What is going on? So there's a whole science. So I'm getting educated. We talk about my childhood, you know, and I, I struggled at school and was, was, wasn't was really that interested. I would say I was not a good student. And um, so the rest of my life, from the age of 40, I suppose, I've been on that journey to self-educate. So I saw something look sort of interesting. Like someone said something to me last night on a Zoom. I'm in this little group. And as soon as uh, Deborah said I could facilitate that, I was just like, "Oh my god, that! That I so want that to happen." Left to my own devices, I wouldn't know that that's what I wanted. But as soon as someone says it, you go, "Well, yeah, it's bloody obvious."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're but, you're really educating yourself now around this far these farming techniques. I mean, I'm not a meat eater particularly, and. And, and and but this is clearly the better way to go when it means looking after the land that we live upon, looking after the earth and you're taking care of the livestock that's on it. And these are obviously free range cattle. We're not talking factory farming or anything. <laughs>
1: no, no, no. no. The, the, we're, we're part of something called Pasture for Life. So you, that's a little charity. So you could look that up. And it, basically it means that the cattle eat the grass that grows on the farm. That's it. There are no inputs. There's no chemicals, you know, to support them. It's just mind-blowing the difference. And of course, as the farming system's changing, the subsidies are changing, you know, so we're you we're becoming a demonstration farm. So groups will come, local farmers, see what we're doing, and some of them are like, okay, I get. I can see what's happening here, yeah? And when you say there's no inputs, like, you're not buying chemicals, because I don't know what where, where you stand on it, we're drowning, we're being poisoned by all the chemicals. Every drop of rain that falls on this planet is contaminated, wow. and it's contaminated by what they're calling forever chemicals. Wow. These chemicals are man-made, and they do not break down in nature. Yeah, literally, mm. that's the great face that you just pulled mm. there. It is horrendous, and of course, all the vested interests. But anyone that knows about it, and the doctors are going, yeah, well, you know, the, have you noticed the cancer rates going shooting up? Why? Why is that? You know, because uh, on another subject, you know, if one is ill, the body's amazing response to recover. And get homeostasis. I mean, you know, without medication. But if you've got that chemical overload, seriously compromised, mm. right? And most people eating the regular food it is highly contaminated.
0: Right, scary, isn't it? It it, it is very worrying, and it, this isn't just about. Cattle and the land. This is about our whole existence, isn't it? Yes,
1: it is. it is. And I, I don't know much, but I'm, when I hear something, you go, "Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. That sort of fits in." To see, I can see that. Yeah, and 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 on the other side of it, you know, if I was um, a businessman and I was raking on all that money, I wouldn't want to be stopped and told what to do. I listened to one of your podcasts earlier, and the lady said, you know. She doesn't want to be told what to do. I thought, oh, my God, that is like, I never want to be told what to do. I'm, I'm slightly better now because I'm in a men's circle. And if I step out of line, they actually tell me, which is, which yeah. is good. I'm, I'm grateful.
0: We need that, yeah. For
1: that, you know, like some reality check. Um, but, you yeah, know, not being told what to do right, or coerced by the government, like to wear a mask to get vaccinated. I know the majority of people were vaccinated. And for them, they believed what they what the government said. But for me, there was a voice going, I'm not doing it. Yeah. I know that I'm quite fit and well and my body's resilient. I've read enough to go, do you know what? I'll take my chances. I got COVID at some stage. Didn't leave the house for 18 days. <clears throat> it was during a heat wave. It, it was quite uh, memorable. But here I am. Yeah. You know?
0: yeah no i i have my own thoughts around that i remember being um i was 16 when i had my first baby and i i just went along as you do get the little card to say go and have your baby vaccinated and i sat in the in the waiting room and something said to me this isn't okay and i was only 16 i, I had no idea I wasn't vegetarian I wasn't alternative or anything like that i just said something's wrong here and i just went over to the lady at the reception and said I'm not going to do this actually and I walked home and nobody ever questioned me in those days um, there you go and and from that day on it was like no this isn't for me it's okay if other people want it fine but I knew that it wasn't for me and I knew at 16 with my little baby that that wasn't okay so yeah it, it's like there's an inner knowing isn't there that we have to trust sometimes and you clearly have that regards this land and this understanding and why you've educated yourself and I mm. now passing on this education to other farmers they can take it or leave it but yeah. you're obviously showing that this is this is good stuff and and it's it's much needed on our on our earth on our planet hey and it, it's interesting that you you mentioned within that you know that when you were a child you didn't want to learn you weren't of the education no it
1: wasn't that it was my the oh. home the home life was home life okay yeah the home life my dad uh, drank and um it wasn't conducive I was always on edge right so you know and, and again being told and you know, just the, I don't know I was a bright kid And um, I didn't, I suppose, I don't know, it it wasn't that stimulating. Okay. And I was distracted and,
0: yeah, I don't know. Some of it I enjoyed. What did you enjoy enjoy back then?
1: Well, I was a choir boy, right? So I love the, uh, I love singing. I still love singing. And, um, you know, that ceremony, the regalia, you got paid as a choir boy. You know, mm. I love money. You know, that was always my, that was my God, to be honest. Um, and the Boy Scouts, there was a whole thing going on. So I, I, even as a young boy, my parents didn't go to church. So it was like, but I'm a choir boy. So we went to church, got paid for rehearsals, got paid for the service. The Boy Scouts were linked with it. So, yeah, I, I sort of needed to find this other life outside of the family because the family, yeah. when I look back, um, I think it was um, toxic okay. as much as, you know, there was the threat of violence. Uh, it was quite normal that parents yeah. beat their kids, right? That was like, yeah. So my dad was just doing what had been done to him. And uh, oh. I did a fraction of that. I remember chasing my, my son stairs and I, I think I had a broken leg at the time so I'm, I'm proud of myself for you know still going for it and I had a metal co-hanger to whack my son okay, yeah. he locked himself in the bedroom very wisely um, yeah so
0: well yeah, you said a really a interesting you said a really interesting thing there Roger you said I made money my God I wonder how many of us make money our God
1: Oh well, I should think. In order to keep, I I, I love this. So, you know, are you a consumer? Do you, how do you want to be remembered? Are you? Do you want to be remembered as a consumer or as a citizen? Wow. They both begin with C. their yeah. worlds apart. So that's the society where they want us to, to keep consuming. And of course, I've been in it. You know, and you know, I still. Well,
0: what happened to you then? You, you you wanted to make money your God. Where, where did that lead you to?
1: Well, being self-employed as soon as possible. So, A, no one's telling you what to do. And okay. the life of uh, the Wild West. Okay. I watched a good film the other night. and it, It's called The Circle Squared. Have okay. you heard of it? No. No, you wouldn't do because it it's a bit abstract. It's an art film. And it's about the guys that did all the... Sleeves for the records, oh, yeah, for Floyd and everything fantastic artwork and a really lovely film. And they said, you know, London and areas, you know, it was a little bit lawless. So, yeah. I'm a child of the 60s, and uh, I could tell you some stories about you know, just doing things to earn money and
0: yeah, you
1: know, whether they were they weren't criminal. But they were something a chancer would do, you know, mm-hmm. and time sensitive, right? Next, done that. Okay, next. Okay. And in my business life, uh, I've uh, had the good fortune to employ hundreds of people. And, you know, we'd be sitting around. I said, well, we're, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And someone would go, oh, I don't think you can do that. And I would go, what? So, like, I've never seen any barriers or, problems about that If the idea comes and it's that that sounds like it might work let's just do it and the other people you know that don't have that whatever the word is like no 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 no, no. So, what so,
0: is- so so roger you, you you came from that place of, of wanting to you know being, being quite entrepreneurial you you want oh. to be self-employed from the word go by the sounds of things so i'm going to make my own living here
1: well, my dad, in a way, did because he had a junk shop okay on on the King's Road in Chelsea, so for me, it was a great education. you know I worked in it oh. from the age of five or six, okay, around my parents and uh, just watching you know people buying and selling and just
0: okay so, so what what we what was he selling? what was the junk
1: well, everything from eighteenth century firearms to suits of armor to uh Imported Chinese porcelain.
0: Wow! Wow! Fascinating. And
1: and he was very naughty. He he had some boards in the window, and he used to. Uh, uh, people used to pay to put a card to advertise things. So there were quite a few prostitutes in in Chelsea, in the good old days. And and the classic one was large chest for sale.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs>
1: And my mother was so embarrassed. In fact, I'm sure she didn't <laughs> want to deal with those people. Oh,
0: yeah. oh, my. oh, dear. Well, yeah, it sounds like a very interesting childhood. I, I... Oh, it
1: was. It was fantastic. And my granny had the shop next door. She was a jeweller yeah. and had left her alcoholic husband, taken away the five children, blah, de, blah, de, blah. Then they disinherited my grandfather's. His name was removed. Um. And it, I, I was listening to one of your podcasts earlier and someone talked about you know childhood friends and things like that. because I changed my name when I was like eighteen. if mm-hmm. anyone, God bless them, good, bad or evil, was trying to find me, they'd have a bit of an issue because I don't have that surname.
0: Okay, okay. well, well, you know the, this is interesting because what what did what was your first employment then what what when you set up your self-employment, what was it that you did? Apart from all the dodgy stuff.
1: No, 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 it's not dodgy. It's just doing house clearances and buying and selling things from an auction, you know, pretty low grade antiques, just house furnishings. But it was the freedom that it gave was just like, it was fantastic. You know, so, okay, so let's go to Wales this week and off
0: we would go <laughs> well, it just it sounds really idyllic Roger i mean i love junk myself i love junk shops yeah. going in there rummaging around through stuff i have a brother in law who's um he's he's a ha- he does house clearances and they have just so much stuff you know and but it, there's always those incredibly amazing finds aren't there where you suddenly find something he found I hope so. He found a book that was worth a thousand pounds oh he found a teddy bear that was worth a thousand pounds recently i mean wow. i mean just you know it's incredible mm. incredible so where did this take you then what what, what was your what um, did you lead when,
1: you to? when i was at school i applied for a job uh, harrods had an auction house at barnes big depository it's all turned into luxury flats now quite right too and um but I I went off to the Merchant Navy instead. Okay. Um, And then the letter came through saying, okay, you can start, blah, blah, blah. And so that was always what I wanted to do. And the reason for that is that my dad had a corner shop and at some stage he painted out the windows at the side because he didn't want people seeing in.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: You've got a shop, but you don't want people looking in. Oh, yeah. he's, he's drinking, right? And he didn't want to be observed. <laughs> I think, anyway, um, so I witnessed him being unpleasant, maybe a fair word, you know, when you've had a few drinks, it's my shop, you don't like it, fuck off, basically, mm. would be, you know, something that might be, uh, said and i i've i've done that in a small way in my business you know if i if i didn't want to do business with someone i'd bar them you know and i've barred maybe five people or something it's not a big deal um so watching his behavior and and sort of i felt claustrophobic in the shop so one time he took me to an auction house when he was buying and i just saw all this stuff and all this warehouse space i just thought oh my god this is heaven so uh, that's what i did uh When I was 28, I was a shareholder in a small auction house that went bust because it had a major fire. At the same time, it lost wow. it, its main supplier. Wow. So I took back the telephone line and the phone would ring and someone said, I need you to auction all this stuff. I said, no, no, I can't auction it, but I'll buy it. And they said, no, no, it's got to be auctioned. So the penny finally dropped and that's uh, so 44 years later the firm is still functioning in swinging chelsea and has been a source of amazing revenue which i've been able to do things with okay
0: yeah, okay.
1: yeah.
0: so it went to, it, so in london of course that's that's a place where you're going to have a lot of very interesting Produce and
1: um yeah, it's a never-ending spike You know, people coming and going.
0: Yeah, yeah. Were you were you one of the guys with the hammer, the auction man?
1: I I, I certainly was. I lo- I loved it. Very stressful because it's it, you're always on. There's no yeah. respite. From you need
0: it. you need a certain amount of hyper vigilance to see where the the money's coming from, don't you? People putting up their hands and spotting. Yeah,
1: yeah, and so- also. And also, has someone reached their limit?
0: Uh, okay. Mm. Oh, okay. Right, yeah, that's important.
1: Mm. So as
0: a child with that hypervigilance for how is your parents going to be behaving and all the rest of it, mm. that set you up quite a good way of observing, hey?
1: I finally got it. Um, my dad died in 96. So what's that? That's 27 years ago. So let's say 20 years ago, I finally stopped... Um, slagging off my dad and had a moment of real gratitude yes. for the education that he gave me. And he was not a particularly good teacher. He was very short. You know, there's that saying, you know, in AA, that um, irritable, restless, and discontent was oh. me. And my dad had those until <laughs> Turner hats he'd put on. And um, yeah, not a good teacher. And I, I don't think, I'm okay now. Mm as a teacher, but that hasn't been my strong yeah. point.
0: But we, but we do, and, and you know, you're absolutely right. We slug off our parents forevermore for, for the ways they brought us up. But if we can turn that around and take a look. Oh. At, well, this is what I learned from that. And OK, it wasn't pleasant, but it was a great teaching. Yeah. It's taught me something about myself that I put to good use. It's resourced us. It's given us value in our lives on some level. And mm. it isn't that helpful to be able to move away from the victim story to being a okay? This is this is who I am in the world, and this is what I'm able to give and do. So you have brought yourself into um, a whole new way of looking at life. You you've done really well with your auctioneering and your mm. and your ability to yeah, just resource yourself and support yourself throughout life and your family hey and and now you're 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 turning a whole other venture you are be you're stepping into something completely new but was there anything else before that before the farm and you know
1: what what have you um, been doing in in 1990 i someone said you know have you considered doing yoga so okay, okay. so I've, I've, i'm still stiff but i was stiff then and i was 40 and um so I did a yoga teacher's training course. That wasn't the idea to become a teacher, but that was what was available. So I went off and did that in Canada for a month with Patricia, my, my wife, and uh, it changed my life. Mm. So What you know. needed
0: to change? What, what was it that really needed to change for you?
1: Well, the obsession with money, and one could never have enough. But the guru said, I've got a picture of him, actually. Just I'm sitting in a... a I'm in my holiday home and there's a picture here. Uh, okay. So that's the founder, Shivananda.
0: Well, our, our, our listeners won't be able to see that. No, but no,
1: no, but yeah, I'm just.
0: Quite an I'm interesting sure. picture, yeah.
1: Great picture, isn't it? Krishna in the middle. Anyway, um, the, the guru said, What does a man with a million pounds want? Oh, yeah. Like, there's 150 of us sitting in this room and he says that. And for me, immediately, it's like, Yeah, well, what is it? And his answer was, it's two million. And uh, I understood in that moment that that was my thinking. That's what I'd be doing. And never enough. uh, My wife and I, we came back from that and we formed a trust fund and started giving out funds and been doing it ever since. And it's been an endless source of joy and learning and, yeah, there's a hell of a feel-good factor, you know, in helping things that I come across that I think, yeah, if that had some funds and regular funds, because I'm unusual that I've made 10-year pledges, which is unheard of in the charity world. So, um, yeah, and and I'm still doing it still doing it and it's great
0: Mm -hmm. that's so it's really amazing Roger I'm really fascinated with this almost like addiction to money hey Mm.
1: oh without a doubt
0: we know that saying one is never enough yeah and you're saying you know a million is never enough you know two million is never enough three you know it's just goes on and on and on doesn't it and even if we have very small amounts of money it's it it you know it's that that's that constant striving to have that level of power in our lives and mm-hmm. what that can bring to us and turning us into those endless consumers, hey?
1: Uh, You've- uh, Yes, around. there was a survey five years ago and the Americans were asked, you know, that they, you know, people that had 25 million or whatever. And they said, you know, what do you need any more to make you happy? And they said, yeah, another 25. And it's like, okay. That's pretty. And then I, I, I know my brother, God bless him, who, who's no longer alive, he couldn't hold money. If he had money, he was determined to spend it on anything as quick as possible. So there's that poverty thing as well, which I don't understand because I remember going in a, in a penny arcade in the good old days when things did cost a penny uh, and, 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 and then having no money left. That feeling was just so horrible. I thought, "I'm not doing that again." <laughs> so I learned my lesson. Maybe I was twelve or something, and it was like, "Oh, that hollow feeling. Oh dear." That's no, so
0: interesting. Yeah, uh, I've known a
1: few gamblers over my over my time, and uh, yeah, it's not. It doesn't end well. It, my, my
0: first husband was actually a compulsive gambler, so that was very, very challenging, and it didn't last long. But that, those two extremes of that yes. ne- never having enough, but also not wanting, that, that having to let go of I don't know what it is. I, 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 I know that that story is, is very interesting. That that those polarities, and I'm all about polarity. polarity. You know how we look at polarities in life. And and what you've shared there is is absolutely fascinating. And I wonder if our listeners can relate to any of that. You know, can I can I hold on to money? Can I save? Can I, you know, ensure that I have enough for the future? All those sorts of things. And then there's the constant accumulation, accumulation, almost addiction to the power that money gives us. So what what happened to you with, with when you were in that place of making money your power, what happened to you, like psychologically? Do you think? How are your relationships and your connection to your co-workers?
1: Hmm. It's funny. I'm looking at a picture of someone that used to work for me. Um, to be honest, I honestly don't know. But I was pretty driven. One thing I, I've never socialized with other auctioneers and valuers. You know, people say to me, oh, you must know so. And so I go, no, I've never heard, heard his name. But it was like, um it was like an all pervasive thing. I put so much into putting the show on the road that I didn't have any energy for anything out in the life. So I think my children would have suffered. There's a picture of me sitting on the beach with my children and I'm stuck behind a newspaper. You know what I mean? It's like, you know. I'm just gone. So I think I, and I was addicted to hashish uh, when I had young children, which is horrendous. No. horrendous. Yeah, and uh, I can't change that. That, that. that actually happened. That was my way of numbing out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't drink because that's what my dad did, so I had to find something else. And I remember the first time I smoked, I thought, oh, this is just... A, it was hilarious, and, uh, yeah, in the end, I smoked it till literally, till it, I passed out. Wow. Yeah, I know.
0: And what, so where did you go with that? Has, that? That's obviously changed. What did you need to do to overcome that?
1: That's a great question. I don't know what I did. All I remember is i really attracted to this lady. I was single at the time, and... Uh, She said, I'm not going out with you. You're a dope head. And I'm like, what? What? What?" You know, so I was so not really aware of what I was doing. Um, But I always liked the ladies. So, you know, that meant something. You know, it was standing in the way of another attempt to be intimate.
0: Yeah, an intimate.
1: And my first wife was an alcoholic. right? And that, that was painful because... I'd left my father's house, and now I've created my own madhouse. Okay. And, you know, if you've ever lived with an alcoholic, you know, they promise this, and then the next thing, they're doing exactly the opposite to what they just said. So it drove me over the edge, and I left her and took my children away. And then sometime later, I met uh, uh, Patricia. What's the point of that? yeah, so my whole life changed. You know that was chaos, and then yeah. I found someone that was balanced enough and available enough that, wow, it was horrendous. I I I, I do telephone service for Almon, you know, so people phone up all from all over the country, and I I see it as my job is to get them to go to a meeting because most of them, God bless them, they want me. How do I stop the alcoholic drinking? Well, I, I don't know the answer to that one. Good luck with that one. Really? But uh, <laughs> my job is to get them to go to a meeting, or at least read the literature, read, listen to the podcast, listen to the case histories. I don't know why I'm telling you that story, actually. Well, but yeah, the, the madness of living in that situation. If people say, "Yeah, they're," you know, I'm living, and my partner, oh, do you know what? That's amazing. Yeah. Really need to take care. And find a group that will support you, you know, because you're going to need help.
0: It's an important one, isn't it? That yeah, we we find ourselves caught up in very dysfunctional families, and
1: and uh, you know, what one, one of the reasons I do the telephone service because I'm speaking, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so I'm reminding myself how how I need to be around my my son and around other people that I come. You know, because I I can I too can be the rescuer, and think I've got the solution. You know, some of the young men we work with may have problems, and uh, yeah. you know I've where, learned.
0: Where do you work with the young men? Which, which are the young men that you work with?
1: Well, in a band of brothers. Okay. We, young, we work with young men on the edge of the criminal system. Okay. And uh, you know, we're we we are trained not to. There's some frapping, so we're not allowed to fix, rescue, advise, or project. Yeah. And the other one, we lamb, we listen, we acknowledge. There was a great example in the group the other night of it, doing it. It was beautiful. Someone did that, acknowledging something. Modelling and blessing. Yes. So I know from my own experience, I didn't get that many blessings as a young man. Right.
0: Right.
1: So the power of a, a genuine blessing it can change lives, as you know.
0: Of course, of course. And do you see yourself in those young men?
1: Uh, you, oh, yes, I do. Yeah, I'm just incredibly grateful that uh, somehow, because of my, maybe my my grandmother was quite distance, distant. I only had relationship with one grandparent. My mother uh, was one of 12 from a farming uh, family in Scotland. And my, my mother and father had met in the war and then she came south. And that was a, a great cause of sadness for her because her clan was 500 miles away, mm-hmm. you know, and things happened. So she had a lot of shame and regret, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went off track. I do that.
0: Well, that's OK, because, hang on, you you know, you talk about your grandmother who was from a farming community.
1: Oh, that my grandmother and grandfather, my mother's parents, whereas my dad's mother was the only ancestor that I had contact with. Yes, yeah. And she was a bit cold and foreboding, I think would be fair enough to say.
0: But you have this connection then from your childhood and your ancestors to the farming that you're doing now. There's a link there.
1: There's a link, yeah, yeah, the love of nature.
0: Yes. Did she give you that? Did she teach?
1: you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and she was a great cook.
0: Oh, wonderful. So she's, she'd be proud of what you're doing today.
1: Oh, she, <laughs> I, I say she, um, um, I got in the habit of calling her Jean, which was her name, but actually her real name was Jeannie, which I didn't see in t- until I saw one of her certificates. Anyway, um, she actually worked in the auction rooms for a number of years and was amazing, a complete martyr to the cause of, you know, everything, you know, maximising everything, all the potentials. And... Uh, she was very loved. Yeah, uh, and uh, not so much now because I'm not there, but people would come in 20 years after she had left and say, how's your mother? <laughs> so I'm grateful, you know, for that input because although we did tussle, you know, mother and son, you know, two ways about it, she was amazing. Uh, and, you know, also I didn't, for a long time, I never really acknowledged the help she gave me with my own children, because of my her, the children's mother incapacitated through drink. Of course, I relied on my parents, you know, but never thought about thanking them. I mean, it's just it's a little bit um, rude.
0: But knowing what you know now, you would you would be. Very grateful.
1: Um, Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I built a little shrine in my sitting room, just a little corner, you know, and I was sitting in it this morning, and it's it's at times when I actually do that that then I I think of the ancestors and, you know, how I've been blessed by so much. It's like, my God, you know, for years I had no idea. So ungrateful. And now I'm in a group. It's a gratitude group. And it's almost too overwhelming. I think, yeah, all right, I'm grateful for this, this, and this. <laughs> but it's a beautiful habit. Uh, it just takes a bit of time to read other people's gratitude lists.
0: Of course, yes. Yeah. And I've
1: just, I've just accepted uh, to be someone's sponsor, this young man who I sort of know. So that, you know, the opportunity for me to actually study the steps a bit more. You know it's a it's a it's a 50 50 thing i'm not just there for him i'm also i also need a refresher yeah. you know? and yeah. i'm not the same as i was five years ago or 10 years ago or yeah whatever, you know?
0: so, just... so so you've come to this place now you all that life experience has brought you to where you are now and you're really giving back
1: yeah and i hope to do that forever I made a list of what my commitments are, and it's a bit onerous, Caroline, you know, and sometimes I like fuck it, but actually I've set it up, and part of that setting that up like that is that I will always be needed, you know because there's a part of me that thinks that there's something wrong with me or whatever you know bloody bloody blah so I've created this whole web where I'm sort of if you like a bit like the spider, you know pulling a few levers. <laughs> But most of the time, when people say to me, How are you? I say, Mainly good. And that is the absolutely truth. It's mainly good. And anything else I've got are high class problems. And whereas before I didn't know that they were, you know, I might get really consumed. Like, why haven't they returned my call or whatever? And now it's going, You know what? It's all good. Yeah. 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 Thank you to all my teachers. Oh my God, I've had quite a few. Hmm. And uh just the the yeah, just yeah, I get it. I uh I get it. So I've turned into be quite a good student.
0: Well who would you say is your most inspiring teacher?
1: Uh well I didn't know Shivananda. He died in 65. And he was a he was a doctor originally, and then uh, he took up the religious life and he wrote three hundred books. I mean, you know, he he in the end he created his own post office in his ashram, and he originally started off renting a cow shed. Wow. Yeah, that's how it started, and it's like I've been to I've stayed in the ashram in Rishikesh, highly recommended. So that there, there's like as an example about what can be achieved. You know, he, he got attacked once by this uh, student. And he was the first one to go to the jail and take the the guy's cigarettes. You know, just forgiveness. You know, just. So lots of that. Is that a teacher? I've also done uh, the ten day school of Byron Katie. So I've done that twice in California. You know. So the question is, whatever your presenting problem is, is it true? Is it true that your mother didn't love you? Is it true that they preferred your older brother, whatever. And, you know, if you do the process, it's just life-changing. And I've seen her work with hundreds and hundreds of people, and I personally, I've never been disappointed in what I'm witnessing. Mm. Wow.
0: Such a simple question, isn't it?
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah. And um, I suppose people I meet generally, and I'm involved with... (laughs) I fund this charity, and uh, I went on. I met the tr- one of the trustees, and I went online to check him out. And what 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 is written about this man is just mind blow- blowingly amazing, right? So by association, I'm involved with some very amazing people, wow.
0: Wow. and
1: I wouldn't dare to think that I'm also amazing. Because like, I've got humility and stuff and, you know, well, you know, but, you know, just you go, okay, I'm just so grateful that it's happening. Don't know quite understand how it's happening, maybe why it's happening because there's a need for those connections. One of the charities I'm involved with, in, I'll give a little plug, it's called Plan for Peace. Nice. Or planning, you know. People plan for war, don't they? You know, got to have a plan, got to have the armaments, so yeah. planning for peace, plan for peace. Yeah, just amazing. And they trained. I think I'm right in saying they 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 trained this year a hundred community leaders in England, in very in six different communities. And next year the aim is to do five hundred.
0: Yeah, oh, I
1: right. Like, yeah, because the yeah. government are not going to save us, right? in my opinion it's the grassroots people getting educated realizing they are more powerful than they ever knew and maybe that's true for me maybe it's true for you too that we are actually powerful but
0: how do people find that power in themselves people who've been really broken in life who've come from backgrounds similar to your own to the difficulties in life who've had the addictions and all that
1: so very simply, as uh, a, you go to a 12-step meeting where you can speak uninterrupted for two or three minutes, whatever, whatever the rules are, and you practice speaking out. My sponsor said to me, you've got to share at every single meeting. And I did, and some of it might have been 10 seconds long. I'd be in and out like a butterfly or whatever. But then I learned, and it's like, yeah, because... What comes out, I hadn't really there wasn't a program that I was going to say X, Y, and Z. I'll start somewhere and I'll end up here. Like I didn't practice for this podcast because I have faith that whatever comes up is okay for now. Mm-hmm. So that is that is available to everyone for free to practice finding the voice. And amazed that people don't tell you to shut up or sit down or give you funny looks and it's like oh so maybe maybe i do have something to say
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah i I don't know it's uh things it's quite simple right
0: yeah no it's really but you you know you must have been used to standing up there in front of a lot of people as an auctioneer but not really using your own voice not sharing your heart very much about Selling some
1: goods. That's manipulation, darling. That's completely oh, right. different.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Is it manipulation? Oh, manipulation? God, yes. Tell me. Tell me, Roger.
1: Well, if I, if you bring me something and I say, well, that should make 300 quid, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And we agree to put a reserve of 300 on it. Uh-huh. If only one person bids 50 quid and the auctioneer doesn't bid against them, it could sell for 50, but the reserve is 300. So the auctioneer bids 60, hoping the client's going to bid 70, 80, 90. So you bid the people up to the reserve because so that's the price you've agreed to let it sell for.
0: So you're actually pretending that somebody else in your audience is bidding.
1: You, you could say pretending or you could say I'm acting on behalf of the owner to get the reserve price. Okay. So, phraseology. And that happens all over the world, right? Estate agents, you know, they, they, it's it's a price, isn't it? It's 90,000, you either want it, you can't have it for 5,000 or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I've loved the whole thing. I love the product. Um, I'm, uh, I'm just coming to the end of, of, of doing an employee ownership trust. So I'm selling it to a trust and all the beneficiaries are whoever works there.
0: Oh, nice!
1: Some people have been working there twenty or thirty years, so they get to own via this trust a share of an auction house.
0: Oh, nice! Yeah. Are there any rules that go with that?
1: Like, no, lots of rules and regulations. Absolutely, I don't, not my rules, government rules. But it's a okay. good scheme, and that and the government want people to be more involved where they work and have a, an actual real say in shaping the future of what
0: really I, I i like that idea that model because i mean for my own business with middle earth medicine it's like i'm wanting the people who come in who are interested in it to take part to, to yes, live, uh, give their ideas to share well how would they like this to unfold and and become you know to grow um and and that's really important for me i don't want to be in a hierarchical position and that's part of of the world today isn't it too much hierarchy oh my god yeah, yeah. oh well, this is all really fascinating roger so so let's come back to the farm because this is a hey, passion right now tell me more about it what's your next steps with
1: it uh, well we're we're 30 months in so come the spring we'll be certified biodynamic nice um the farm isn't owned by me i'm the tenant So it's owned by the Biodynamic Land Trust, which is a charity that takes land and preserves it, like like the National Trust preserves land and buildings. The Biodynamic Land Trust is to hold uh, farmland. And there are certain criteria and stuff like that. So recently we took on a farmer, uh, the lovely Steve and his wife Zoe. So they're living in the farmhouse with the two children and there's a plan to it to become an exemplar there aren't i mean there's only like 20 biodynamic farms in england right there aren't many as far as i know i don't know but um so it's the highest welfare of animals and it's the highest quality of food in my opinion that can be produced Mm. well of course i want to be involved with that so that's one of the, the reasons I'm doing it. The other reason was is that I de- I was desperate to be connected with a piece of land. I, it started around the COVID period where they, there was a thing that the police would be have the powers to stop people from moving around at random. And I thought, okay, so what could I do to get bypass that? So being a farmer, you've got to go to work, right? You're a farmer. You can't just not go. So, uh, cunning and it's yeah it's 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 causing my brain to go like that because there's so much involved. I mean it can be done nice and slowly and gradual and it's not stressful but there's money involved, there's the animals, there's the nature. So doing all the baseline surveys virtually on day one, what is th- what is on that land? What is that land containing currently? And how can we just tease the biodiversity up? Because if you do that with land, the nature will recolonize it. Okay. Um, so I've got other things that I've been doing over a number of years. Like I've got Rodwell Food Forest, where I live, food forest. I'm involved in a, a community woodland. I'm involved in a nature reserve stroke outside education center mainly for children so i've got this sort of like where i've been i'm not physically i'm not physically doing the work but i'm the force if you like behind it so that's been a very good use of money and allowing you know when you said to me originally like what's your sole purpose i've got i've got no idea but what comes to mind is, I've been helping people have access to land. So I'm not giving them land, but I'm giving them access. Yeah. And that's all you need, right? You didn't. You don't need to own it, you just need access. You need the permission that you can use that land and with others co-create a future that I think is holistic and sound and ticks all my little boxes. Mm. Yeah. And my job is to actually fully engage with it because I've been quite good at organising it, but then I get busy and it's like, I mean, I've organised tree plantings on my land and then I've got called away and I haven't even been there planting the tree. So it's a bit nuts. Mm. But my intention for the future is that I actually, I go, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I'm doing this thing so that's my challenge is actually to be fully grounded and be present i've been a, a bit of an escape artist
0: there we go ah, brilliant oh roger is this is all really fascinating it's great to hear from your you know your life experience as a child as an adolescent as growing up and all the the pathways that you've chosen or, or have mm. Yeah, you've had no choice with even, but to to see where you've come to and to turn it into the beautiful gift that you, mm. you are now for the land, for the environment, and what you're able to do for uh, in service to others, which is is fantastic. And you have a wonderful message. Is there anything in particular you would say to people now? Is there anything else you want to mention, or some you know some message you have for our listeners about? the human path back from your journey?
1: Um, The most obvious thing is to sit in a circle somewhere, Mm. right? Circle of equals, where everyone has equal access to the time, shared, bit of shared responsibility. I sit in various groups, and it is an endless source of joy and inspiration. I came in a book group in Lewis with Alex, Uh, I'm in a band of brothers. Um, I, with Duncan, sorry, with Adam Duncan in the power of aging. So there's an aging older group because I'm of a certain age, slight fears about that. So, okay, so I may be fearful, but I want to listen to others and I have to do that by getting off my arse. I mean, Zoom's good, but I actually, you know, and unfortunately, I've been blessed with time and money. So I understand that most things do cost money. However, I know people that, you know, they they do give, um, what's that word where people uh, can come b- without paying bursaries and stuff like that? So I would say if you find something you want to do, it's like, just set your intention to do it. And as I say on the Alamon helpline, <clears throat> if you make an intention to go to that meeting on Wednesday night, don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything get in your way because the alcoholic will play up or... Something else will happen. You go. Oh, I'll, I'll go next time. No, go now. So if that is if you've got something you want to do, the best time would be now mm-hmm. to do it. No, mm. it's
0: yeah, great message, Roger.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean the, the 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 beauty of listening. I wasn't ever a great listener, but I'm 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 getting better. And uh, you know, in in the peace conflicts. What they've worked out is, but everybody wants the same thing. You know, they want somewhere safe to live. So a a job would be good. Food, education for the children, both opposing forces. They all want that. So listening to that, and it's been proven that if more than 15% of the people in the meetings are women, the peace will last. But when it's left to the men, uh uh-oh,
0: Wow.
1: No, no good. We yeah. need equality.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Roger, what, what would you say to people who say, well, it's all right for you. You've got money. You can do these things. What would you say to those people who are broke? Because there's a lot of it about mm. health issues. We have oh, a, lot struggle, a lot of struggle in the world today, In the, in, in our country, in England. A lot of people losing their jobs since lockdown all sorts of stories hey what would you say to those people who are getting a bit lost
1: if you've got access to the internet the whole world is there waiting Al-Anon meetings I mean I say I speak about Al-Anon because I know about Alan but I have been to lots of other fellowships so there's 60 different fellowships so whatever the human condition it's either 30 or 60. Uh, And the American website has just got so much information. There are online meetings, 24 hours a day, and they're free. They're free. So there is no barrier, apart from the mental barrier is pushing the button. And you're not obligated to speak or say anything, but just stick around and listen and find someone. You go, oh, my God, they're saying, they're telling my story. And now they're saying how their life has improved. And, oh my God, now they're laughing. Like, I didn't think I'd ever laugh again. Yeah. You know, I struggle to get into my joy, even with everything that I've gotten going on. You know, driving over here today, I was feeling a bit, missed. oh God, you... and then I look like, oh God, wake up, mm. wake up, it's, it is all available. You know, and there are, of course there are barriers, but actually, the will is, if the will is good, you'll get there. I, I think so. And it's like a never ending thing. I, like, so I'm 73 and a bit, you know. I, yeah. I don't, of course, no one feels their age, particularly unless you're ill. And it's just like, you know, of course I can do this. I can. Yeah.
0: yeah. So. Wonderful, Roger. Thank you so much. It's been really um... great to have you on this podcast and to hear your story and what you have to share really appreciated it
1: well you've heard some of it <laughs> call, call me in 18 months and we're like, we'll go again
0: <laughs> Will do. thank you Roger. thank
1: you thank you ciao
0: thank you so much for listening right to the end i hope you enjoyed that podcast and remember you can be in touch with myself or this speaker My website is middleearthmedicine.com. We have a wonderful membership platform that you can join for just £5 a month. And we have lots of recordings and interesting information that we can share with you there, plus meeting online with regular groups. You can also find the details of our speaker in the box below with their links, their websites, and a little bit of information about them. Thank you for joining me and being part of this Middle Earth Medicine community. I hope you'll listen to our next show. Please follow, I share, I like, whatever you can do to help this community to grow. We really appreciate you. Thank you.